Okay, Clay, so this is Investigations, which is otherwise known as the Star Trek Voyager episode where Neelix becomes a YouTuber clicking around for AdSense with clickbaity titles like Watch Me Destroy Tuvok on Voyager and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I was wondering before we get into it um, if uh, Neelix might not be the lead, although I think he's he's got a variety show, if anything. He can certainly cover a lot of bases. But is there any of the other main characters that you wish had a YouTube platform or had a YouTube show or a podcast or something that you would think would be interesting? I feel like Paris... If he had one, it would probably be like he'd end up turning into the girls gone wild guy. Yes. And it would a lot just of microphones be him. in people's faces and uh the Yeah. <laughs> excitement getting in the uh, getting the ensigns to, to flash their boobs yep. for latinum necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like Chicotes would be fun just because you could just assume that everything he's telling you is total bullshit. Chicotes would be um asmr he's like rubbing arrowheads you know what i mean like yeah, it would be him yeah. softly talking about spirit animals as he's like looking over some medallions and it would get huge in the asmr community i think yeah yeah i'm trying to figure out who would be the like the the dark horse conspiracy person and i feel like it's got to be like harry kim Oh, I would say I would say the doctor Picardo would kind of fit that. I think. Well, he's so dry, though. Like, I feel like Kim is the one who would start his show very unassuming, and then by episode three, he's like, "Let me tell you who really he's did." Down the rabbit hole. Four, five, seven, or seven, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> we um, I would go. It's unpred- not predictable, but I think I think Tuvok would actually make the best show. I would like to see Tuvok, a day in the life of mm-hmm. Tuvok, like a Tuvok vlog. I think that that would be pretty interesting. Uh, Janeways, I think, would be kind of dull. Torres would be pretty dull. Harry Kim, unless he goes full um, Inside Man type stuff, would be kind of dull. I think Chicote would do the ASMR. Tuvok would have a nice daily blog about how he solves crimes and stuff like that. And Picardo, mm-hmm. I was trying to think, trying to think of the Doctor. The doctor would be, um, I think the doctors would fail because he, like, true to his character, I think he'd be trying too hard in the YouTube show and it just wouldn't sell. <laughs> like, it would, it would come across as insincere or something like that. And I think it's too bad because he's so interested. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. Based on what he was pitching to Neelix in this episode, I think it's going to be like <clears throat> practical, well, like impractical medical right. stuff that only that only appeals to him yes a very niche Which, you audience know, yeah yeah you know it's as they always say as everyone who ha- who has a podcast knows niche down uh if you like it then there's probably someone else out there weird enough to like it yep. which is uh and as i say that thank you to all of our patreon subscribers they might even give you a few bucks for liking yes. it and talking about it just yes. the way that they do so even even in the wide, wide world of Star Trek podcasts, there's an, a, a little crevice for everybody. Yeah, there is. It's like the podcast space is warp 10. You can be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That's what, yes. that's what it feels like to have a podcast. This is Investigations. It's the 20th. Can you believe it? The 20th episode of the second season wow. of Star Trek Voyager came out on March 13th, 1996. Uh, it's five of somehow nine in the Seska arc. <laughs> Teleplay goes to Jerry Taylor. Story credit goes to Jeff Schnaufer and Ed Bond. Directed by Les Landau. In-universe date 49485.2, which is 2372. In investigations, Neelix searches for a traitor aboard Voyager using his morning news program. <clears throat> so interestingly, Clay, 
we, as we're recording this, it seems that our podcasts where we first are discovering the Tom Paris subplot are starting to mm. actually post in real time for listeners who are uh, writing on the Discord about it um, in various ways. Some people can't believe that we don't know what's going to happen. Some people um, surprised that we didn't realize that it was going to turn into a, a sub running subplot. Uh, to be fair, I would still go back and say the first time that shows up, which I think is like the Paris's betting Running the, in the yeah. holodeck or something and Chicote yells at him and that's how the episode ends and we were both like what is this um mm-hmm. in our defense i don't think that's obvious that that's a subplot that's being built it seems more like it's a story plot that failed on some level yeah. to, to come yeah. across but here we are we're at the end of it with investigations and um have you enjoyed your journey in, in the tom paris story arc and did you like where it ended up um Oddly enough, given how we've sort of spoken about this stuff up to this point, I kind of feel like they ended it too quickly. Mm. I um, Not according to every producer on the memory alpha, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you're going to if you're going to spend five or however many episodes building to this idea that Paris goes over to the Kazon ship. And, you know, you try and set them up as this sort of double agent kind of thing. Uh, they just, it's its all over and done in 10 minutes. Yeah. And, like, I, I feel like they could have gotten some more uh, meat out of actually letting him exist on the Kazon ship for a while instead of immediately pulling him back. You mean multiple episodes of Tom Paris on the ship? Yeah, why not? What else are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I think fundamentally this whole storyline sucked in execution across the I, season. I think the biggest problem with it, and I, I think I mentioned this as one possible outcome when we were talking about it, because our one of our big questions was, what does Chakotay know? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Yeah, that's, where, that's where the confusion th- came from. Yeah. Yeah, and I think at the time I said, if this comes out, if this all is a big ruse and Chakotay doesn't know anything about it, he looks like a fucking chump. And uh, <laughs> wouldn't Janeway, you know it? Janeway calls him that right to his face. Yeah, wouldn't you know it? In this episode, Chakotay looks like a fucking chump. Janeway's like, uh, Chakotay, we needed you to be a complete moron, and you played that role perfectly. <laughs> He's like, the, thank you, the Captain. Thing, <laughs> the thing that's amazing about it is the argument that Tuvok gives him is, well, we it, we were invest we we figured it had to have been a member of the Maquis, and so we didn't want you to have to have any sort of conflict of interest trying to pull one over on a member of the Maquis, and it's like, well. Isn't Tom Paris part of the Marquis? Marquis? Wasn't he, was, he part yeah. of the Marquis? He was, yeah. So you're kind of already dancing in that that you're in that water already. Right. So I don't know. I but think it his, just makes, yeah, his, it's, his reason doesn't make sense to Chakotay. It, it seems more like it's a personal we didn't trust you thing than yeah. it is a Tom Paris or the Marquis is an issue. I I think the bigger storyline of this season is the straight up emasculation of Chakotay. Yeah, they've really they've really cut his balls off. It's oh really God. quite spectacular. <laughs> and it's once, not once he once he had sex with Seska, yep. then it was all downhill from there. That baby is going to be the manliest baby of all time. I think the Chicote thing's a good example. I you know, I actually I sort of enjoyed this episode despite myself. Like I kind of had a fun time yeah. watching it. I I, yeah, I think that was fun. I think it's I think it's broken in a lot of ways and like 
but I think that all of the problems <laughs> that are within it come from the way that this storyline was set up through the season where, you know, things like the Chicote storyline was not built into it from the start. So you don't get an organic sense of like Chicote develops from this storyline in a sense of I've been screwed over by these people for some reason and I am now angry as an outcome of it at the end here. Mm-hmm. You don't get any sense of Tom Paris. There's no development of Tom Paris as a person that makes any of this really feel like it makes sense. You don't get any sense of um, a, a plot brewing... You don't get any sense of Michael Jonas, what's going on with him or anything like fucking, that across fucking it. Fucking Mike. Mike Jonas. And the other guy, uh, Hogan, who's his doppelganger, Hogan, who, mm-hmm. who kind of confused mm-hmm. me as to whether or not he was the same person. Um, I think it's just, you know, this this is the show trying to do a serialized plot line, and I thought it was just pretty awful by the end of it. Even if I didn't mind this episode and sort of, I could see how they would structure something potentially that this would maybe feel like it was worth your time and worth doing. And it could have even been an emotionally satisfying thing at the end. If there was some sort of redemption arc for Paris and, you know, you get one over on Seska. I just think that um, it was sloppily set up. Every time it was dropped in, it didn't feel like it was developing anything. It just felt like it was treading water as they were unsure what to do. And then yeah. they resolved it in one episode, which to throw it to you is that it's a weird Tom Paris episode and it's another failing of the Tom Paris storyline in that the episode is not a Paris episode. It's a Neelix episode. So yes. you don't even see Paris being the spy in this because it's told through yeah. Neelix's eyes, which is strange and weird. There is actually a, <laughs> a moment in the episode where... Uh, Paris is, you know, uh, Seska brings Paris in and kind of gives him the talk or whatever. And then for some reason just leaves him unattended with a uh, functioning <laughs> computer console, right? And so you've got you've got Paris typing away and trying to dial in whatever. Then they cut back to Voyager and they do a good like 10 minutes of business where like they're moving that story along at a pretty solid clip. Yep. And then when they cut back to Paris on Seska's ship, he's still, still at fiddling. the console. Still like he fiddling. has done nothing. It, it's like, I feel like it was even just, there was no time in the actual shot. Like they just, they just cut and then picked it up immediately from where they had cut when they jumped back. Yeah. And uh, it's just, yeah, it really kind of, it, it, that's, I think that's part of why I wish they had done more or, or spent more time on it and let it breathe a little bit more. Cause like ultimately it's not really like, it, it, it has such, it, it really feels first drafty to me where it's like, okay, he goes to the ship and then what? Well, he blows up the console and then he escapes and he flies back to Voyager. Okay. Tom that's Paris it? special that's... at this point. He's done that, I feel like, in multiple episodes where the shuttle's getting shot. Yeah, but that's, as you say, that's that's it for him. Yeah, like they couldn't, I don't know. There's no sense of, really sense of intrigue or, or danger or... Well, there's no Seska I... conversation between him and her and Paris, really. You know, like there has right, to be, right. you have to, I don't know how you do this in a way that's satisfying where you actually play up Paris's like, maybe true desire to leave the ship is of this story and that he somehow through this adventure decides that's not the case or something. It's just, it feels, 
the reason it feels really first drafted to me and, and lame is that it do, I don't know how much they knew about what they were going to do, but it does feel like the worst of Enterprise serial arcs where they're just killing time and they don't know what they want to do with it yes. until they fix it at the end. And then yes. the end result maybe makes sense, but the context of what came before it makes no sense as to why this is the way the things were done the way that they were done. Yeah, if it were me, I would have had this, the events of this episode, not this episode specifically, but the events of this episode probably be the season finale. And I would have, it, this is episode 20, what is it? 20, 26. Is it 26 left. 26. I maybe, six might be too many, but like, I think you could have easily gotten three episodes out of this where you do the first episode as he leaves and he ends up on Seska's ship. Second episode is him trying to keep his cover on Seska's ship. And then the third episode is when he eventually, you know, the big confrontation where he escapes and, you know, Mike yep. uh, <laughs> tries shutting everything down, you know, like all the stuff with that. Like, I feel like you very, very easily could have gotten three episodes of, of material out of that. But yep. instead they just... I don't know. It's just they wrap it up so quickly and it's not a satisfying conclusion because we know who the mole is and we've right. known for five episodes or whatever. Yep. And so it's just all you're doing is waiting for everybody else to catch up and the Paris stuff isn't in and of itself interesting uh, to, what, yeah. to, to take the to take away the um, – or to, to keep you engaged, waiting for everybody else to catch up. My uh, before I get into my favorite the one one of the memory the memory alpha for this one is full of great quotes. The guy who played Michael Jonas said that this was his his best his favorite episode to really let him stretch. It's because it's not just him staring at a TV screen yeah. going, "Let me talk to Saska." Um, yes. Yeah, I. I mean, it's a good idea. Like you've sort of sparked something in me, which is that we see a lot of Michael Jonas talking to Seska in the prior episodes. Wouldn't mm -hmm. it, wouldn't it have been a, just a more interesting, dramatically interesting thing to have them know that there is a mole on the ship and they can't figure out who it is. Like, Oh yeah. Th that's just, that gives a, and it's perfectly set up for Voyager. That's like that. You can't have that kind of like conspiracy shadow play going on on this ship of all ships because they have to get home like this is like poison to what the morale of the ship would would uh, be concerned with yeah. and if they knew like the first episode of this arc neelix doing his youtube channel or whatever finds the fact that there are messages being sent out from voyager somehow and they don't know who it is and it's just a, a lot of building off of that idea and maybe you'd have to do something better than no name ensign guy is the one who's responsible because that might feel a little bit silly at the end. But just to build it in a way that's not the audience has been watching Michael Jonas talk to Seska about nothing for six episodes. And then Tom Paris discovers it by going undercover and plugging his little computer pad into the computer on Seska's ship. It's just it's more interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure totally what the answer is, because I think no matter how you play it i don't think anybody's going to buy that paris is the mole and so it like so if if they were, if they knew there was a mole but they didn't know who and they were still doing this paris starts acting acting weird kind of thing right i think you're watching the show going like well it's it's, it's definitely not paris like yeah. they're, if they're trying to red herring us into thinking it's paris obviously no one's gonna believe that well his his whole turn 
feels his whole turn would seem incredibly obvious if you knew what the storyline was from the start. You know, like he, yeah. If if they if they discovered that there was a mole or they knew that there was an issue, basically revealing Janeway's plot to the audience. Paris immediately becomes the red herring, obvious red herring at that point because of the way that he's right. acting. Right. And so, you know, that's that's what's so frustrating about this one is because, like, when you got Neelix fucking Woodward and Bernstein over here uh, yeah. doing a general uh, channel, channel one school TV broadcast... <laughs> to the ship <laughs> what happened telling, to resolution in the 24th century why is it why yeah, is it back to was, ante- rabbit years antenna days all of a sudden where was I, lisa ling isn't backing him up anymore <laughs> um like when you have him doing this broadcast telling everybody that paris is a is a traitor and stuff it's like i don't know like who who it's it's it just seems like a, a bunch of nonsense yeah uh be, because Anybody who's watching it knows that's not true. And, like, is anybody on the ship really going to believe that? No, um, that's... All things considered. Yeah. It, it's the show... The biggest failure, I think, on a character level is those... That sequences where uh, Neelix is doing his YouTube show and, all, like, the camera cuts to various people on the ship watching his program. It's It's all meaningless. You know, like, in a better written show those kind of scenes would actually have some sort of like emotional resonance to you. Like the characters would react different. Like I was picturing it just, if there was a similar plot line on DS nine, every time it cuts to a different character, you get a different sense of what those characters are thinking about this turn of events right there. Mm. Like they don't all just have this empty stone cold gaze at the screen as Neelix is talking that they do in this right. episode. It's just, no one has a different personality. So it leads to just a, a weird, um, like Neelix being the rah-rah morale officer and it ends up not feeling like it's amounting to anything because no one's having a legitimate reaction to the news that this is happening. And again, because it's a Neelix episode, Tom Paris's farewell has about 10 seconds of Tom Paris and it's saying goodbye to everybody and then he leaves and you don't see him for a little while after that. So, you know. Yeah, I thought his I thought his farewell was hilarious because he's in the in the uh, transporter room, and he takes off his thing, and 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 uh, Neelix is like, "Goodbye, Paris. You are my favorite." And he's like, "Yeah," <laughs> and then he's just gone. Like he, he, Harry Kim <laughs> gives him a handshake and just beams out of there. See you, Paris. And he's like, "Well, all right. Yeah, I guess we're done. All right. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 tough because you you do um, I don't know. I think there is some uh." There is some version where maybe you could have played this where it's at least semi-believable that Paris is the one behind this. If you try to go for the, excuse my yawning, sure. if you're trying to go for the uh, um, the who is it, but I, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna be an immediate red herring every time. And so the only question left with him is if he is a red herring, what is he doing? Like, in, right. in which case, oh, okay, he's going onto the ship. Interesting. I think the thing you could keep secret is whether or not he is actually leaving the ship because he fucking wants to leave or if he's leaving the ship because he's a double agent. I think there is some of that. You could you could play that and have people unsure of which way that's going to go. Yes. Um, yeah. That but yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just uh, having, having the audience know absolutely everything uh, 
is is very like really kind of takes any teeth out of the story because like i think that's why we were reacting the way we were to the way they were handling the paris stuff is because we know who the mole is and so when they're doing this mole storyline but then they're just interjecting a quick scene of of paris like screaming about soup or something and yeah. throwing a b- yeah. bowl of super cut and that didn't actually happen but you know what i mean um it's like okay being what's late. going on he's, he's being late for three episodes in a row yeah. yeah yeah it's like i mean what is this how is this connecting this doesn't feel of a piece of anything and like i kind of i almost kind of feel like chakotay a bit where you get to the end and he's like wait what he's been acting like a dickhead to me for the past two months because of this whole like there was no other way you could have done this right yeah <laughs> so i yeah i think it's unfortunately the way they play it is for the amount of time they give it i don't think it's entirely successful no no it's it's too bad i mean yeah and we, we've talked about about it a lot in the past couple episodes about how it doesn't work as a serialized story i, I would say it's a pretty abject failure um I I think it's just untethered from like the show isn't set up effectively. Like it, it, it's doing this thing that Voyager tends to do, which is that it's, 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 it's more than paying lip service to its setup. Like Paris has been set up this way as a character, right? He's a, he's a kind of character who is unsure of where he fits in. Even from the pilot episode, he was never quite sure what he's supposed to do. The problem is that, the show, unlike something like DS9, never really lives with him as that character. In any right. episode, he's just the right. guy who flies the, the ship. That's the only thing he does. So when you try to layer on these, like, re- they're like member berries about, like, remember, like, Tom Paris used to have conflict about where he belongs and stuff. It just feels like they're really, like, fishing for something to do with him. And it never feels like you've been building towards this or... The first two seasons have been built around Tom Paris feeling like he's an outsider and this feeling like a natural event. So there's no there's no like catharsis or anything. It's just it's just something that happens in front of you. It's too it's too bad. I think that Voyager does that a lot with its characters. It's just kind of it has the trait that it says, remember that this is what this character does, but it never really examines what that means for those characters. That's out of maybe the doctor. Yeah, and also Tom Paris hasn't done a goddamn thing this season. No, like we've there are multiple episodes where we forgot he was in them because he's got like one line or something like imagine if they had done this with Torres and Torres has had so much shit happen to her in this season <laughs> that and she's just generally high strung and, and angry that I feel like you could sell it a lot more that Torres is fed up and decides that she wants to leave. Right. And which case, you know. You can get the. Uh, I think it's. I think it's an easier sell with her than it is with Paris because we have watched her in these situations that have been fairly traumatic, all things considered. Yeah. Um, whereas Paris has just been dicking around doing nothing. Yeah. Do <clears throat> so. Uh, I guess like avoiding the uh, the serialized plotline of Paris. Uh, what did you specifically think of this episode? I, I thought this one was, it was mostly clunky just because of the fact that it's it's telling the story through Neelix's eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And I guess the original idea that the uh, studio demanded that they not do was that the whole thing was supposed to be told like a Neelix 
newscast, basically. So oh, it, was, it was like from his, it's like like watching a documentary or something of, of yeah. Helix's. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this is the story to do that with. <laughs> no, that's even worse for Tom Paris because you don't yeah. see anything that Tom Paris does. It's just Neelix says, oh, he came back at the end and it was all, you know, a trick that he was doing. And you go, wow, this is this is awful. The 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 other, the, the sort of wonkiness of this episode, I think, is like it, it's all tied to the Paris stuff not being built up well, but it's it's very specific to it, too. Like it, it almost was intentional comedy that made me laugh out loud that Every time Neelix and some other character is getting closer to the truth, Jonas is in the background, <laughs> like yes. glaring at them. Yeah, <laughs> I was really hoping he was eventually just going to start like killing everybody at that terminal and like stacking the bodies in the corner or something, and uh, you know stuff going yeah, wrong. When, when he comes at Neelix with that blowtorch, yeah. I had a lot of questions. <laughs> a, a. How he was going to kill him with a blowtorch? He would have been there for like an hour. Yeah, just get him right. Just fine. B, he was going to just kill Neelix. Like what? What was his? What was his game plan? No, no there? plan. Well, I, I even Michael Jonas's plan. This is another example of like how they don't think the the stuff out clearly. Michael Jonas's plan. He he was not even covering his tracks until the plasma thing. That he does at the end, right? Yes, they yeah. could have just figured this out. That yeah, that's the thing is you've got like <laughs> you've got this uh, all this shit happening, and Neelix is uh, the one who's cracking this open. And then when he finally brings it to the captain, the captain's like, "We knew that someone was sending messages. We didn't know who." <laughs> so instead of <laughs> instead of just going through the logs like Neelix did. You decided to have Tom Paris <laughs> pretend to get kicked off the ship, s- kidnapped from another ship, so he could figure it out from the secondary location. Yeah. Instead of you just, I don't know, doing a routine uh, look, look through search the phone through the, the logs. Yeah. Like if Neelix yeah, could yeah. figure this shit out, you're telling me that uh, Janeway and Tuvok couldn't figure it out? No, the the calls were all there until the plasma explosion, and also he need Jonas needed Tom Paris to leave so he could plant it in Paris's computer. There was like yeah. there was nothing he could do unless Tom Paris left. It was such a horrible plan. The sneakiest thing in this entire episode is how Neelix lifts the security access code <laughs> off of Hogan <laughs> just by standing there and remembering what he said. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I always thought that was linked to how your voice sounds. It's like Siri or your phone won't unlock unless right, it's you right, talking yeah. to it. But apparently you can just say the simple like Omicron 37 and the thing opens up for you and you get all kinds of access. Yeah. I mean, you take you spend time on the enter, the original Enterprise bridge and, you know, anytime you feel like it, you can wander on and go uh, self-destruct Kirk Alpha right. Alpha <laughs> 1. And then all of a sudden the Enterprise is blown up. Yeah. Jonas is plot was ridiculous in hindsight like they they you know in the previous episodes they hadn't given us anything so you couldn't realize what it was but here they're they're desperately trying to cover their their tracks with him he also dies i i think they still have not yet said what his ultimate goals are uh outside of just i think we're just assuming that he wants to be with seska on the ship i guess yeah no they solved nothing they got no information out of him uh he just got vaporized and the entire thing was a waste of time. Yeah, so so he's gone. So now I this I don't 
call this a hundred percent win on my side, but like <coughs> one of the things I said was one of the ways they might end this is if they just stop talking about it. And that's kind of what they do Yeah, because they, they have him get vaporized, but they never have to resolve what he was doing. Nope. Like the only thing that like, I guess what he did though, I guess the thing that he did was to damage the ship. So they had to go to that one planet to get that weird metal, what? which is where they, the Kazon had a bunch of people. Yeah. Stationed. I think it was is just that- to have the Kazon show up to capture Voyager. That was the whole point of it. Yeah, but, you know, that's all they learn. They don't get any information out of him. It's just sort of, that's it. That's it. He's gone. Seska's still out there with Chicote's baby. Um, yeah, anything else? Did you think anything anything specifically about this episode that you like? Like, I, I don't know. There, there's some, was, I don't know if it was, like, corny or cheesy or I found, like, Neelix's little show kind of weirdly endearing or something. It yeah. wasn't a horrible Neelix episode. Like, I, I think that he's a good character for this kind of stuff. But I thought his investigation was just so piss poor. And the whole, like, the just the plot around this and Jonas's plot was just so bad that it was distracting. But other than that, for the, like, I was even kind of, intri- like, there's a tremendous amount of techno babble in this episode and characters yeah, looking at screens bit, and talking yeah. about the stuff that they're looking at. And I still found it kind of, you know, not, I'm going to give this one a three. It was, it was just like a three yeah. of an episode, but I didn't find it terrible. I just thought it could have been so much better. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, th- yeah, I thought the Neelix stuff was not nearly as bad as it could have been. I, cause I actually think his, his detective work was probably the most interesting thing yeah. in the episode. Yeah. I wish he had teamed um, up with Tuvok more. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I did really like I did really like Harry Kim giving him a lecture about the uh, ideals of journalism that <laughs> sounded like a cut scene from Citizen Kane. It was it was a time and place when Harry Kim came up with that speech. Uh, definitely. Yeah, where he's like. <laughs> We gathered our facts and we presented them as we saw it. And some people agreed and some people didn't agree. And those th- they came together and they got real mad at each other. And then we just sat back and watched as the entire college tore itself apart. You, you know how we could do that? We were independent, damn it. We yes. didn't have anyone funding us or telling anything about us. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because it doesn't even... It's too early, obviously, from ninety six or whatever ninety five, ninety six when this came out. It's like it, it, it didn't even have the lucky thing like where DS nine stumbled into the um, the nine eleven episodes they did before, like six years before nine eleven happened, and yeah. they just got it mm-hmm. right. Voyager here, unfortunately, doesn't even stumble into like how journalism will start to fall apart in the coming decades. You know, it, it just doesn't have that luck as a show or it doesn't have that kind of thoughtfulness. It's not really about that. It's because th- there is a way that you could like, if you didn't have Tom Paris's storyline in there, you could have some fairly interesting plot about the role of Neelix as a journalist on this show. Right. Talking about like yeah. whether or not he's only going to talk about the good things and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole, that's a great Simpsons episode where Homer, gets his first computer and he starts a website and uh he basically just starts uh he becomes a uh gossip monger right <laughs> and then when people stop telling him stuff once they figure out that he's the person reporting everything he just starts making it up yes yeah and it's actually interestingly enough the one that's uh a crossover with the prisoner he gets sent to the village in number and meets oh, nice. number six nice yeah it all um, comes full circle <laughs> Yeah, always does. Always comes back because you could you could see 
you know, on this on a, on a on a show that was embracing its concept, Neelix just trying to be the cheerful optimist is going to run into not reporting on what I'm sure some of the characters in a in a quality show with this setup would be concerned about, right? There's got to be a lot mm-hmm. of sadness and stuff going on Voyager here and it would add a little bit of context to Neelix to just be like he he can be the optimistic character, but there's a point where the optimism is just going to come across as false in this situation, right? Like right. he just he's too you can't always look for the bright side of things because you're just hiding too much and it feels like this episode could have done something with it but um according to memory alpha this is the only episode that mentions this netflix in a neelix show yeah <laughs> so it's it's on and it's on and gone unfortunately well i was i was kind of, part of me was thinking until janeway acknowledged it part of me thought like is anybody actually seeing this or is this like creed's blog from the office right. where it's just it's, it's on just a word a word document that just says uh neelix's show yeah um no apparently yeah, they was, all watch it they i know apparently yeah everybody uh, Janeway saw great uh, potential in it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they're watching it on, but there's know. nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. All right. Anything else um, specific to this one uh, about the structure or about uh, the solution? Or you think we're all done? Is uh, is do we, is this the first time we see a video camera in Star Trek? Oh, do we actually he's... see the camera? Yeah, he sets his little like webcam down on the table when he gives his uh, his big oh, address. Oh, interesting. It yeah. might it might be. Yeah, I, I definitely missed have uh, missed it. I think on TV, yes, I believe there are <clears throat> cameras in Star Trek Six at the beginning when they do the uh, uh, christening of the new Enterprise. Yeah, there's like a news crew there who I think have cameras. <clears throat> and I but, think uh, I can't think of anybody else ever having a video camera. Yeah. Yes, for personal recording. There's always like, um, there have been episodes with like automated drones that you can see that they're looking at stuff as it flies mm-hmm. around, which is kind of a camera, but not not quite the same. <laughs> oh, my other favorite part of this, which is, it, it is one of those things where it's like how far sighted and simultaneously far sighted and short sighted these science fiction things can be. This is when um, Hogan is typing on his tablet. And then uh, Neelix is like, could you give me a hand with this? And he's like, I have to go run this data up to the captain, physically hand her this tablet. (laughs) It's like, you guys, all of the shit you can, you have a holographic doctor who has all of the, all of the medical knowledge of multiple planets, but you can't send information from your tablet to the captain in a digital, uh, uh, format no he's gotta gotta get it up there it's the the mole it's caused everything to go all haywire they can't trust anybody again they need physical reports handed in post haste that is funny yeah i still find it so funny where it's like we've discovered that there's a mole on this ship oh really what have you been doing to con to combat this have you been like looking into it we've been having tom show up late to work (laughs) what we're pretty sure it's Seska. So therefore, right, is that another weird thing? They do this to Chakotay. Do they know it's Seska th- this whole time? I don't know. I'm, uh, because that was the only reason know. that I could say Chakotay can't be kept, has to be kept out, out of the loop because he's too involved with Seska. Do they mm-hmm. mention that in this episode? I don't think they do. I don't think so. I think the only th- reason they give is... Uh, 
the Maquis thing. See, and that's what I thought it was. But I now I'm realizing I don't think they ever knew that Seska was involved with this. So yeah. that get, even gets rid of your reason to not keep Chakotay in the loop on it. That's too bad. Yeah. I have no idea. Janeway. It was a weird episode. Anyway. <laughs> Janeway, uh, not really cracking the top percentile of captains for me. No, she's, she's not. She's not great so far. Like Mulgrew is great, but Janeway is not so much. What would you say is her failing as a captain or a character at this point? I just think that they write her like a moron sometimes. Yeah. Like she's got great presence and stuff, but when you actually break down the stuff that she's doing, it's like these are just fundamental story problems that I I, I feel like you should be able to iron out before you go to in front of the camera. But what are you going to do? I think compared to the other captains, except maybe Archer, Archer might actually be kind of similar to her. Um, I don't really know what her personal, like her her own personality is. Yeah. You know? That's like, fair. I, yeah. I, know, I know what Picard was early on. He's the sort of regimented, like, you know, follow the rules, like good captain. He was a little bit angry in the start of the series. Cisco is the little sort of enigmatic guy who doesn't really want to be there and is sort of open to off the book solutions. Kirk is the cocky adventurer type who's like ready for the, you know, ready for the good time. Um, but also, you know, like, so within that, that sort of understanding of like Kirk will do the job, but he's the most like action oriented of the captains. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what Janeway's personality is. She likes yeah. science. That's about it. Yeah, and even that doesn't really come through as much as you'd kind of think it would. No. Yeah. Because that's yeah, more of know. a, that's in line with our criticism of um, the new species that the show makes. It's more like a fact about the character than it is right. a, yeah. an ethos that she has. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think the difference is, and I, I've said this many times, uh, if you take all those captains and throw them in a room and put a problem in front of them, you can kind of assume you know where where each one of them is going to come from before they even start talking. Right. Yeah. Like you know how what Kirk's point of view is going to be or what Picard's point of view is going to be or what Cisco's point of view is going to be and Archer is a little bit tougher but even he I think might have a little bit more. He's like a dumb Kirk is how I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great movie by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Uh, but Janeway, yeah, I don't really know where where Janeway's head is at. Yeah, um, yeah, it's too bad. We'll see. She's a, she's regarded as a schizophrenic character, so I think she changes a little bit as the show goes on. But we'll see. Let's get to patron comments. If you're a patron and you leave your comments at the what is it? Patreon.com slash Depensky We'll read them on the show. Patreon.com slash Depensky is the place to go to support the show in general, even if you don't want to leave comments. You go there, you give a couple bucks, you get extra stuff. I think we, oh, we already had our Halloween episode out because we're a couple weeks ahead. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We did Kingdom of the Spiders with Shatner. Uh, Clay and Amanda have their Stephen King second string series running. All good stuff up there on the Patreon. And we're covering Lower Decks, which we'll have finished as well at this time. So, Picard season two, Lower Deck season three. It's all up there. And Strange New World season one, that's on there too. So if you're interested, go there. So let's go to the patron thoughts. I'm going to click into your little word bubble to be able to send these to you. Tax Bear is the first one. He says, investigations, can't wait for Neelix's show to definitely come back. 
That aside, not a bad premise for an episode, but one that exposes one of the show's main weaknesses, a lack of established secondary characters. There's basically just the main cast and a bunch of random crew with a little in between, which is a shame. It does not surprise me that this doesn't come back. But even like in universe, it kind of it kind of feels like something Neelix would do for like a, a week and then be like, eh, this sucks. Yeah, he's, he's I don't think he's someone who sticks with things. He, he's probably just yeah. kind of a flighty has a flighty heart. Uh, this is West Durlin. Investigations. Fun fact. King Abdul II of Jordan is a huge Star Trek fan and had a cameo as a science lieutenant who speaks with Harry Kim in the opening scene. King Abdullah II is making headlines the day I write this regarding a rumor a certain former president promised the king he would give him a chunk of Israel. Mm. This freaked the king out, and he talked later about it, saying, I thought I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. I was bent double over. So, yeah, <laughs> politics. <laughs> Do you think he was more impressed talking to Trump or Ensign Harry Kim? That's hard to tell. Probably Harry Kim. Honestly, the most <laughs> telling thing is as I was reading this, Something in my head wanted me to switch out Israel with kryptonite. Okay. Um, because <laughs> King, King I just, Abdullah? Is that a... Is that <laughs> no, it's just like knowing who he was talking to, uh, I feel like it still works if you said... Uh, King Abdullah II is making headlines today. I write this regarding a rumor that Lex Luthor promised the king he would give him a chunk of <laughs> kryptonite. <laughs> you can make bullets out of it. Lex Luthor. Eric McGowan says, investigations, goodbye, Jonas, we hardly knew you. Your motivations made even less sense than Seska's. The first two seasons of Voyager at least tried to introduce and use tertiary members of the Voyager crew for stories who aren't in the main cast. And even though they're usually not handled too well in season two, I appreciate the effort compared to later seasons, which are more content to only use the main cast. As for this episode, I kind of wish Neelix's show was utilized again, but as far as I remember, this is the only episode they use it. Three Ensign Hogans out of... Five. Kyle Barrett is our next I hope, comment. I hope in season three of Picard, the first time you see one of the old members of start of the Enterprise, he's watching Neelix's updated Neelix's show. show. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Can you believe turns to Picard, it's just Riker. Can you believe this is Kyle Barrett <laughs> with investigations? Investigations. Just when you thought the show was actually doing some fascinating character work, daring to have a serialized plot about actual conflicting consequences, plot twist, we were duped into thinking the show had balls, but nope. Paris is a hero, and the only interesting thing his character has done so far is a lie. You can see the twist coming when when what should be a Paris episode instead focuses on Neelix, barely bothering to maintain the illusion Paris is leaving for good. And ultimately, Jonas is the only one creating any conflict, and I still have no idea what motivates him. Nope. Neelix suddenly becoming a YouTuber fits quite well with his cunt personality, however. <laughs> I feel attacked. His immediate thought after killing a guy was his show, and I can just imagine him making those obnoxious thumbnails with big red arrows pointing at nothing and him pulling stupid extreme facial expressions. <laughs> Two out of five. I would love to hear Neelix's thoughts about uh, the casting of She-Hulk. <laughs> Neelix will... Neelix has to branch out a little bit to different audiences. Yeah, but I, I feel personally attacked here. Uh, I don't know if I consider myself. I wish I, I wish I had a um, a Jake Paul style YouTube channel. Then I would combine it with Neelix's Voyager channel, and I think I'd be all set. Will you just like wander around and 
giggle like an asshole doing hate crimes. Well, yeah, Jake Paul was the one who laughed at the suicide forest or something, right? That was Jake Paul, right? He went into that like, so. Japanese forest where people kill themselves. Um, then he became a boxer. So much. So much uh, is Logan, by. Logan Paul is the one who's doing the boxing because he is now doing uh, wrestling. Oh, he's in wrestling too? He is in the WWE currently. And he is going to be fighting. He has uh, he has been in two matches, yeah. And his third match will be against Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. So, no, uh, the WWE never met a good carnival attraction. Uh, they didn't put to waste. <laughs> or didn't want you know what I mean? Maybe uh, King Abdullah will be in the audience. I don't know what the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Jordan is at this point. Oh, no, I don't know. Maybe not. Real Avi says, investigations, Neelix, was a mistake. I'll read the next one, too, because that one's so okay. short. <laughs> Jaron Hatch says, investigations, it just goes to show that when you stop obsessing over two-year-olds and start becoming your own person, you get a halfway decent episode of Star Trek Voyager. Obsessing over two-year-olds? I think, does he mean Cass? Oh, Cass. Okay, there you go. That makes sense. Kyle's got me. Kyle's got my my hackles up or something. I think everyone's uh, coming at me now. So Jaren <laughs> says it just goes to show when you stop obsessing over two year olds and start becoming your own person, you get a halfway decent episode of Star Trek Voyager. You know, I hated Neelix as a kid, but I've slowly warmed to him over the years as a jack of all trades, but master of none. The writers can plug him into different kinds of stories and explore them in ways you can't with the regular Starfleet characters. However, if I'm being completely honest, I would rather they would have just done a full episode of, of briefing with Neelix. If the show is as good as it looks on those view screens, then we're missing out on some sweet, sweet frosting. Three nail-biting Kazon plot arcs out of five. The next one is Changeling with Investigations. Here are my problems with this episode. One, Neelix. Two, don't the passcodes on Starfleet ships use voice recognition? Both Data and Wesley had to mimic Picard's voice. Why can Neelix, the cook, the cook. just repeat them and they work? <clears throat> Three, why did Seska just leave Tom in a room alone with a computer? Don't they have a brig? Four, if Neelix just wanted more people to listen to his podcast, he should have started reviewing horror. <clears throat> he should have started reviewing horror movies, Batman the Animated Series, or Star Trek. Two fake news out of five. Can you eject people from the Patreon? <laughs> this is this is everyone's everyone's coming at us on the Discord and these comments. This is where the podcast falls apart and we we go off on our own Voyager shuttle for the rest of the trip home. Point Extra G says investigations Jonas the traitor and Paris the jerk were actually leading to something. Uh, this is unfortunately about as serialized as Voyager ever gets. Newix actually manages to not be completely annoying in this. He oddly works about the best of any of the main cast for this role, largely because he's completely outside the chain of command. And also, what is with all these damn sci-fi villains being thrown down energy shafts? I would like to apologize for my last statement because I do realize now that was actually a compliment saying that uh, if he wanted more people listen to listen, uh, he should have started doing the things that we do. So thank you. I don't need the competition. This is Latte <laughs> Librarian with Investigations. Investigations. Best Neelix episode so far, though that was, a, that was a low bar. Sending Paris out to get captured was risky. Good thing he managed to escape so easily. Three dumb plans out of five. Yeah, a lot of dumb plans in this one. I got I got caught up on reading that one because I thought it was going to be a poem, 
Oh. Because uh, the first two lines rhymed, but the second two did not. <laughs> Had a little bit of a sing-songy rhythm to it, too. Best episode by far? Although that's a low bar. Mm-hmm. Artorius, investigations. At first you think this episode would be about comedy and jokes, but it turns out the joke is on you for expecting something and getting nothing. Neelix was better in this episode, but the less I see of him, the better the show is. And while we all know how that went. I would have preferred a whole episode about the doctor talking about medical facts. That could have been some comedic gold. Sadly, we didn't even get to see the doctor appear once on the show. I guess we both got burned. Two atomized mics out of five. It's That's like true. Billy Preston. It's like Billy Preston used to say. Nothing from nothing means nothing. Nick the Rat is our next comment. <clears throat> if Neelix was my morale officer, I would probably ask for a transfer as well. Why does the doctor use computers? He is the computer. I always hate how Star Trek treats prisoners and quote secret conversations. In the future, you would think. In the future, you would think would be it. Would, sorry. In the future, you would think it would be better surveillance. There. Damn it. In the future, you would think. <laughs> I think there's there a missing be, word. There yeah, would be. I, yeah. In the future, you would think there would be better. Sur- I was trying to guess what the word was without reading the rest of the sentence. <laughs> in the future, you would think there would be better surveillance than we have today. It's like cameras and microphones do not exist along with photos. I just uncovered secret communications. Have fun with that, Neelix. Wow, finally. So, wow. Finally, Neelix killed a man in a horrific way and dusts himself and has a laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I give this episode three murderous Neelix, Neelix winks out of six. He's a murderer. Aaron Million says, is this the last comment? Did I skip one? No, this is it. Investigations, last comment. Aaron Million says, nice twist with the Paris bad attitude B story of previous episodes paying off here. This is, and I can't believe I'm writing this, a solid Neelix episode. The Doctor, as usual, is excellent. I sort of feel bad for Chakotay. He's always kept out of the loop. Usually first officers are kept apprised of everything going on around the ship. Think of the Enterprise incident in TOS where Spock knew that Kirk's erratic behavior was a pretense for trying to get him into position to steal a cloaking device, but he had to play along. Four probing journalists out of five. It does feel like in the scene where they explain to Chakotay what's going on that we are very close to Tuvok having the uh, uh, the Charlie Murphy playing basketball with Prince Paws, yeah. where he's like, that's why we had to keep you in the dark, bitch. <laughs> this is a big plate of pancakes in front of Janeway. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's um, yeah. There's no animosity there. It's uh, it's just so poor Chicote. Really, he just should have should have had more to say about that. I think just sloppy wrapping up of a story. Thanks everybody for leaving your thoughts on the Patreon. Thank you for being Patreonians on Patreon.com/slash The Penske File. Uh. Patrons are, I would say, like a 2.5. Maybe this came out to be eventually. There's a lot mm-hmm. of twos in there. Um, what are you going to give this one scale of one to five? I'm going to go three. I thought it was enjoyable enough. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a lot of potential they leave on the table. Uh, yeah, I wish they had done more with the Paris thing. But, uh, you know, I, like it just all it just all feels like, all right, this it, it feels kind of like what I expected it to feel like, which is. Yeah, let's get this over with. Let's just yeah, yeah. We can't really, we don't really know what to do with this, so let's just pull the trigger and and move on to something else. Yeah, I agree with all of that. It's a three for me as well. Um, I'm, 
I'm picking up strong Enterprise directions in these Voyager episodes this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think Voyager and Enterprise share a lot of DNA in a lot of ways. Um, what? What are you talking about? I didn't okay that script, but let me tell you, I would have. I would have been all right with it. Um, do you get that sense? I, I feel like Enterprise is a better executed but duller version of the same thing, if that, if that makes sense. It's a lot of directions to go. But I, I feel that the way that Voyager tends to try to tell its stories feels like a prototypical Enterprise story uh, in that it's yeah. like – it's not really built around the characters a lot of the time. A lot of the stuff feels like it's just a serial story that's being made up on the fly. There doesn't feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of direction to it. And it seems like they don't change much as they moved into Enterprise in a couple of years. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, it is sort of Enterprise-esque storytelling but bound by the constraints of the TNG environment. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is, it does make for, for uh, a strange soup. Yeah. Cause I, I guess maybe, I don't know if I'm just being contrarian here, but people always say that Voyager's problem is that it's a TNG clone. I, I think it's actually more troubling that it's closer to enterprise really. Like I, I would say, I would say that you'd have to swing it the other way, which is that enterprise's problem is, is that it's too much of a Voyager clone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would still say that the the biggest plus that Voyager has over Enterprise is that the characters are, are a better. little more interesting, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, but there are definitely overlaps. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. At least in terms of um, how they tell their stories, there seems to be that thing. It's, it's a halfway point because it has the TNG a spatial anomaly of the week story, but it tells those stories in what I would say is a very enterprise way of telling those things. So yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We both give it a three, two investigations. We hope you enjoyed the content today. We'll be back next week with, it's not Life Signs. What is it? Is it Deadlock? I think it's Deadlock. I think, did we not do that one? Uh, No, we did not do, a lot of the, we did Death Wish. We did Dreadnought. Ah. There's a lot of D titles in the sending of season two. Uh, that's it. Thanks everybody for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah, we're rounding out the, uh, second, second string of Stephen King. November is Pet Cemetery, And then December we will be doing Stephen King's It from 1990. We are going to be putting up in November the, uh, poll for what next year we're going to be covering. And it's going to be either reboots and remakes uh, holiday films, holiday horror films, or a curated list of video nasties, and uh, <coughs> put that up in November. And then December on the It episode, we will uh, talk reveal. about the reveal the winner and also what movies we are going to do from that. Gotcha. Winning genre. Vote in November. See what happens in December. And then you get a little bit of a lame duck period where you can either complain about it or not do anything. And then the new term will start up in January. So everyone vote in November, vote in November. And then I'm going to (coughs) stuff my local ballot box. And hopefully we will get uh, the 2009 remake of Nightmare (laughs) on Elm Street into the Senate. 
Oh man, I'm trying to go through like to figure out who I need to vote for. We we do not make it easy to figure out what the hell's going on with these elections. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. you just yeah. The best you get is like a flyer in the mail. You have to go to their like shitty website that doesn't say anything about them. It's it's impossible to find out where these people are coming from. Our town actually has it has it nice uh, for the local elections anyway. Yeah, they have uh, on like the the town website. Everybody kind of gets a page. And they have questions that they can fill out. So it's like, what is your stance on question three? And then right. they'll t- you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it actually makes it a nice aggregate to kind of see what they're all up to. Yeah, they all, all the towns. It's it's easier definitely on the local when it's like because we have our state elections coming up in November. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like it's, yeah. you know, I get flyers for people. I'm like, I don't, what do you even run? Like there's so many positions and so many people you don't know who's, what's, uh, what's up. So I have to. There's. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's a handful of names that I feel like I hear in the ether every four years, like Chris Sununu. Yeah, that's New or, Hampshire, uh, though. He's always got yeah, television ads for some reason down here. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Ed Markey. Yeah. I feel like these are names I just are just always in the ether Sununu's every four years. name is... is Maggie Hassan. Yeah, Maggie Hassan. Sununu's name is interesting because um, I think his name is so odd and memorable that even if the ad is attacking him i'm like i know that name i, I right, think i like yeah. that guy <laughs> sununu yeah would you like to make some sununu with me yeah death, I don't know. death by sununu and can you bring notes into the voting booth like i have I to write think... i have to write stuff down to remember who i'm voting for i think you can okay there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that right yeah i know it's not like you can cheat or somehow get, get the cheat. answer right <laughs> Yeah, you can't use a graphing calculator, though. No, you have to use the dumb calculator. All right. Well, the elections have happened by the time this episode comes out. I think so. We'll I'll let you know how it goes in the future. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time.